from the crypt. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. We're on to recording number two on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon in March, middle of March, approaching March Madness. Uh, sitting down for the second time today with a very uh, exciting guest. I'm excited to t- speak to him, at least. Hi. Uh, well, you just heard him. Uh, I want to introduce you, freaks, to Carl Don. Carl, welcome to the podcast. Hey. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming. For you freaks that don't know, Carl is working at Chaincode Labs right now. I was first introduced to you, I think, last month at the BitDevs meetup when... Yep. yep. I did the presentation and everything. Yeah. Yeah. It was a dope presentation. We'll get into that later. Thank you. Uh, let's dive into your story. It seems like you have an interesting one. How the hell did you find Bitcoin? What is your tale? How did you end up here working on Ross Bitcoin? (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. Um, I, well, I like, I first heard about it when, um, one of my high school teachers told me about it because he was like our, you know, science research program head. And he was like, Hey, like, you know, there's this thing that's really cool. Um, and so because I was living in a dorm, um, back then I, and I, and I really liked building computers. I built a bunch of computers cause I didn't want to study for my exams and mined Dogecoin. <laughs> so that not tells the first you, Doge, yeah, yeah. Not the first Dogecoin miner on this podcast. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, Dogecoin was very profitable for a while. I mean, like I, I did the thing where I think you can mine Dogecoin and then sell it immediately for Bitcoin. So like those were, there were polls that did that. But yeah, I, 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 I was not profitable <laughs> to say that. It was just me messing around with stuff and, you know. Um, yeah, so that was really cool. Um, I, I think I you know, for, forgot about it for a little bit. Uh, and then when I was like looking into like what work I can do uh, during college, um, you know, I, I stumbled upon, you know, 21 and I went work for 21 and that was a good experience. I met a bunch of people there. I met Michael Goldstein, who's really cool. Uh, and he sort of, and, and, and back then, I mean, like, I, I didn't know anything about anything. So I, I was like, oh, have you, have you checked out, you know, all these other coins and, like, the way they do stuff and, like, you know, their marketing propaganda? Did he turn to you, look you in the eyes and say, Carl, everyone's a scammer? <laughs> Exa- yeah, exactly. Exa- <laughs> yes. Ba- that, was, that was basically the message that I was given. Um, but yeah, anyways, it, it, it prompted me to look deeper into all these things. You know, I, I was um, becoming more well-versed with computer science, so I, I was able to look at their code base, and then I was more well-versed with, you know, Unix systems and whatever, and I, I would look at, you know, how, how this would work in that kind of sense. Um, and then uh, senior year of college, went to Blockstream and worked, and that was, like, a great experience that, I, you know, I just... You know, because everybody who's the best were there. So most people that were the best um, uh, that worked there and I I was able to learn from them. They were really patient and explaining to me how everything worked. Uh, And then, uh, you know, uh, now I'm at Chaincode working on cool shit. Yeah. So it seems like Bitcoin from a technical aspect is what drew you in. Is there anything like philosophically, like economically or... Uh, sort of freedom liberty ah. driven that brought you to Bitcoin or is it more like working on this dis- distributed system in particular Ah, okay uh, well I'm a Chinese citizen so mm-hmm. this is a public podcast so we'll leave it at that okay all right yeah that's all you have to say um, 
Let's back back to 21. Was it like I was telling you? I got my 21 computer upstairs. Uh, I would like to bring it down and show you. <laughs> yeah, I. I mean, I I bought one of those as well before I you know even started there, and and I was I, I don't know I, I you know I was a little bit confused as to you know what what they were doing, but you know as I got there, it seemed like they were transitioning off it, and. You know, I think what we built, and I think Balaji showed it in Consensus 2016 or something. I thought that was pretty cool. So th there's like, when you make an HTTP request to a website, right? Like mm -hmm. it'll, it'll give you back a status code, right? And when you when you, excuse me, <clears throat> and that status code tells you if it's successful or it fails or whatever, right? But one of those status codes were uh, uh, payment required. So nobody implemented that because you know there was no way to no do it proto programmatically yet, right? But 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 uh, you know we we basically implemented a command line tool that was able to like you know charge people for paying for an endpoint that will say hey payment required and then you do the back and forth. And this uh, I've uh, given this error request a misnomer in the past. Is it four hundred two or four hundred three? The error that comes up or four hundred five? Isn't it like so? You have four hundred four error. Yeah, 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 yeah. Four hundred four is not like not found. I think I I I seriously don't remember. Yeah. I seriously don't remember. But, but anyways, um, yeah, we we were we were we were doing that, and I thought it was a really cool thing that we were doing. Um, and yeah, yeah. No, it was. Uh, I thought it was really cool at the time too. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting to see. So I guess. This is an interesting topic we can get jumped into considering that experience in particular uh, because that, I remember being like, oh my God, I'm going to get my home miner. I'm going to like be part of the machine payable web. I'm going to learn how to like yep. use Bitcoin in the command line and a lot of hard lessons learned. Uh, oh, for sure. Wasn't the most sure. profitable miner. I don't think it was profitable no, 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 for no, me. No, no, um, no, 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 but, no, uh, for sure not. What, um, were, what were some of the lessons you learned there in particular? Well... Well, I, don't, I, I wasn't really involved with the, um, you know, 21, com like, little computer part, right? Like, but by the time I got there, we were working on machine-payable web, and that was mostly, like, hey, let's use containers on normal computers, like, you know, Macs and Linuxes and, and whatever to um, uh, do all of those things, right? And, and I think one of the things that I learned there is that, like, um, and, and, and perhaps they, 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 they did not continue with this philosophy afterwards, is that you, you don't need a different coin to do things that are very smart, right? You, you, sometimes if you want a certain type of functionality and it's going to come from something centralized anyways, or you know, if you have a like service discovery mechanism, uh, then you can just implement it through HTTP and just any odd coin, right? Like you separate the function of like what's going to be oper what's going to be running a certain piece of software versus like the payment of it, right? Um, mm -hmm. And so I, I really like that philosophy. It didn't comp complicate things and it seems to mesh well with, you know, the, the, the Unix philosophy of like, you know, make small tools that do things well and, you know, put them together. Yeah, now that's one thing that fascinates me about Bitcoin development in particular, especially after the first conversation I ever had with a guest in this podcast was with Pierre Rochard, and he mm. uh, explained the Unix philosophy to me. And I think yeah. uh, after becoming more abreast to that philosophy and sort of the history of, of Unix build out and, and Linux eventually, 
it just seems like Bitcoin may be the only project displaying these types of attributes uh, from a from a developer standpoint. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I, I don't know if Pierre told you the like the 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 story, um, and I, I might tell it badly, but it's an illustrative story of. Um, I don't think he did. Let's jump of, into so, it. So, so, you know, one of the most illustrative stories of this Unix philosophy is when um, I think two programmers uh, were, God, I can't remember their names, and I, I feel so bad for this. Oh, uh, it's um, the guy who wrote the algorithm books, Donald Knuth, I think, and another another Unix programmer, but you know, this was way back in the days, they were given this challenge that was like, okay, like given this text file, like, you know, uh, you know, uh, sort it, add these, add these columns together and do what, basically like spreadsheet like things, right? And you know, back then you didn't have Excel, so it was like hard to do. And so what um, Donald Knuth did was he wrote this entire what he calls literate programming language and like implemented it and was like it was like oh this is so beautiful because it's like in my own literate programming language it's so readable and whatever right and like I think you know the, the Unix program was just like he just like gave us one liner that combined like five commands and it was like what like 80 characters and was like <laughs> done <laughs> we did right. not need that litter. no we yeah exactly we did not need all that you know we can we can we can we can piece things together to make ex extremely complex um interactions yeah yeah and that's so i guess let's jump into the philosophy behind bitcoin core and developing on top of bitcoin i guess uh because i mean that's the the big uh it's not really a big debate but it's a big uh, sort of divide uh, with Bitcoin and other projects. Other projects would think that fast iteration and fast experimentation is worthwhile. Where Bitcoin, it's like, all right, it's working. Let's just tighten it up and and tighten the rules as much as possible to make it as efficient as possible. At least from an outsider's perspective, looking at a non-developer's perspective, looking in, that's what it seems like. And uh, how would you describe this sort of philosophy of approaching Bitcoin and working on Bitcoin in particular? Uh, um. So, I mean, I don't want to speak for everybody else in the Bitcoin community. So, yeah. so this is my view of it, right? Um, you know, I like to deal with, um, you know, most of the things that I did, um, you know, before I learned computer science was basically messing with Linux systems, right? And from all of that, I have learned how, you know, fragile security is, right? Like, you can have perfectly fine code bases. You can have the most secure code base or, or whatever, you know, that's like com completely proven or, and whatever. And if, you know, something in the hardware fails or something lower in the stack fails, um, you don't have protections against that, right? So I, I, I think that if, if people want to be realistic about, I mean, right, it's sort of like people have to be realistic about what their coin is about, right? If your coin is about making money really fast, then go ahead and do that, right? But if your coin is actually trying to be something that, you know, lasts, that is going to be maybe part of human history, who knows, you know, um, then you have to be extremely conservative about these things because, you know, people lose trust very easily and, uh, and you know, you've, you've got all these bugs already at a layer below your code base, you know, you've got to make sure that your thing is okay. Um, and, and, and we try to fix the, the, the lower level bugs as well, as, as you know, I, I presented on last time, which is the, um, 
you know, our build system stuff, making reproducible and bootstrappable builds. Yeah, so let's jump right into that. So for you freaks who weren't at BitDevs last month, what was last month's BitDevs, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, Carl gave a great presentation uh, and based on your pull requests that you have out there right now, enable building in uh, GUIX containers for Bitcoin. And basically the concept is that a lot of uh, sort of, like you were describing, repositories sort of at the root of a lot of operating systems are... Uh, very intertwined and sometimes uh, come with bad code and bugs that can, uh, if your uh, hardware gets compromised, people can yeah. get access to your kernel yeah. and basically wreck your machine. And it's trying to sort of isolate and uh, sort of separate these containers so that you know that they're yeah, I'd, I'd, separate I'd, and clean. I I think like it's it's better explained if I explain the history, right? So. Yes. Um, so the the um the history of all of this is um I think uh Bitcoin got reproducible builds through this tool called Gideon in 0.4 I believe. Mm -hmm. Um and you know Gideon was I I I think revolutionary for its time because you know it 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 enabled um the conversion of you know source code code that we can read to you know binary outputs right you know the code that you know your machine reads right you, you obviously can't open an app in a text file uh, in, a, in a text editor or whatever right um it, it enabled that conversion the the compilation and the build tool chain to be deterministic in that you know given the same code it will output the same output and you know um and and so uh what that enabled is for us to detect when somebody is not giving you um the the binary output that you think they are right mm -hmm. so for, for example you know if you ask a friend like hey did you, did you, you know do you have a bitcoin binary like they give you a binary right you can verify that it actually came from the source code that's on the repo or from a version that you trust instead of they just modified it to upload your private key mm -hmm. right so um i think that was you know th that was the first iteration of it but um the the process relied on Ubuntu, as in like it was done in an Ubuntu virtual machine. And the first thing that it does is it spins up a Ubuntu virtual machine and then it downloads all these trusted binary packages, right? So it downloads like GCC. GCC is like the compiler that people use to compile their C, C++ and code other languages as well sometimes. Um, and those are just binaries that we trust the you know Ubuntu developers to to be like hey you know I sign off on this or whatever right um, and you know for, to to me that seemed a little fragile um, because we're reproducible but we can also be reproducibly malicious mm -hmm. in that um, you know we, the Ubuntu developer could be like oh I just I want I want everybody's bitcoins uh, I'm gonna sign off on this version of GCC where if it sees that I'm compiling the Bitcoin code base, I'm going to insert, you know, the, 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 the password ceiling, whatever in it. Right. Um, so, you know, maybe I'm, I, I, I'm too paranoid about these stuff, but to me, so. <laughs> but, but to me that, that, that didn't seem like a good thing. And, and also the, the whole, the build process was, um, extremely complicated. And well, at the time when I was running it, it only worked on, like a very limited variety of Linux distributions, which means there's less diversity. Um, so anyways, 
Um, so I, I went about trying to solve this and the way that you solve this is to basically boil down, <clears throat> sorry, sort of make the number of trusted binaries smaller, right? And the way you have to do that is, okay, let's say that we have like, you know, these t like 100 build dependencies that are trusted binaries. We have to have some sort of way to have maybe let's say 10 trusted binaries and record the route of how we get from these 10 to these 100, right? And, and this is sort of a problem that hasn't really been looked at because Every time somebody com you know compiles a compiler, you know they're just using the last version of the compiler. They're they're not like thinking about how do we go from nothing to it. They're like my computer already has a compiler. How do I do that, right? Um, this is actually a problem in Rust, but you know uh, Geeks is a great way to solve it. So 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 Geeks is what we call a functional package manager. Yeah, G-U-I-X for you for Yes, G-U-I-X, um, but it's, it's, it's pronounced geeks. I, I, it was very confusing for me as well. Um, but what it is is that every package, and this is the important part, every package is a pure function of its build time dependencies and runtime dependencies, right? So that, that, that means that nothing else basically, nothing else affects it, right? So what you're able to do is you're able to look at these, let's say, 100 trusted binaries that you need, like you need GCC, bin utils, FD, whatever, right? And you can trace it all the way back to, you know, to, to maybe 10 trusted binaries, maybe even less, right? And they have ongoing efforts um, to make the list of trusted binaries less and less. And, and I, I, they, they were basically the first ones who released a solution to bootstrap Rust because Rust has had such a long chain. Rust C, the compiler, has a, such a long chain of um, you know, um, being built that, uh, that it, was, it was hard to do. But, but they did it. And um, so we now have um, somewhat bootstrappable builds um, if we do it with these Geeks containers. And I think that will improve security a lot. Also, it doesn't care about what Linux you're, uh, what, what distro you're running. It, it basically runs on every single Linux dis distribution. Um, yeah. You know, it was uh, funny during your presentation, you had like a, a, gra a chart that sort of uh, graphically showed like all yeah. the, uh, the bootloaders <laughs> and like every, everything yes. that becomes connected yeah. and how interconnected yeah. it becomes and how easy it is to become completely interconnected with a bunch of other systems that can leave you vulnerable, which is yeah. crazy to see in like chart form. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I like visual aids. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I'm not a big fan of readings and I like visual aids. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll put that up as a slide, but yeah, it was very helpful. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 No, but this is high. This is, uh, We'll get to your talk over the weekend at MIT eventually, but you mm. brought it up during this talk, but it also highlights the problem that you're trying to solve with the geeks containers is mm -hmm. that like all of our operating systems are probably rooted at some, some level and maybe yes. Bitcoin is the first instance to create a monetary uh, incentive to exploit these problems. And right. up to this point, like we've had data dumps with like Equifax Target, Equifax Target, you name it, any type of entity industry has been hacked. Yeah. People don't seem to care. But now that Bitcoin, a, a digital native digital money yeah. is on yeah. the line, yeah. maybe these things will be exploited more and more. Is this yeah. a good thing, a bad thing? Oh, um, I, 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 I think that's definitely a good thing. I think, you know, if we 
ignore problems they become i mean this is you know you 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 know everyday life right like if you ignore problems they're going to get worse and worse until one day you can't even deal with it anymore right um and and i think like uh you know one of my colleagues um matt had this um matt Carella had this quote i think um of like you know maybe maybe the current generation don't care about security or, or is not too sensitive to it. I think like future generations will be. Um, one of the trends that I realized is that, um, I, well, I, I watch a lot of YouTube uh, mm -hmm. and you'll, you'll see that in, like these YouTube channels, they're all advertising, you know, VPN solutions. Um, most of them are advertising VPN solutions. And, and, and it struck me that like, and it's been happening for months, right? So it struck me that like it must like, be very profitable, as in people are listening to that and actually buying it, and people care about security. Now, whether or not VPN solutions are actually secure for you, because you, you instead of giving it to your ISP, you're giving information to like the company, another third party. Uh, yeah. 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 Exactly. Um. Uh, I mean, like, I, I, I personally think like Mulvad is the only one that like is actually secure because like it, it doesn't even record your name but anyways um <clears throat> but yeah i i think uh, future generations will be more aware of this than us uh because they, they they grew up in a world where these hacks are happening you know every every other month yeah so i guess what's what's your biggest fear when it comes to these exploits in relation to bitcoin like what's the worst case scenario that could happen right now at this point in time Let's fear monger a little bit. <laughs> um, I don't. Hmm. I mean, I, 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 I think. Yeah, I don't. I don't really have a good answer to that. But I, I, I think like more the attack is on a social level, basically, right? Uh, you know, people. People, people use the excuse of, you know, Bitcoin is being used for illegal drugs or, you know, Bitcoin exchanges get hacked, which have nothing to do with, like, the actual Bitcoin protocol itself. It's, it's, and, and, and again, right, these are, these are problems not of the Bitcoin software. The software is running completely fine. It's, it's how they deploy the software and how they manage their Unix and Linux systems that, um, that, that lead to these That's things. The problem. Sorry, that's the problem. Yes. Yeah. 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 Ex exactly. Um. Yeah. Uh, like, sis like, system administration and 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 secops is 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 an extremely hard problem to solve, and and we've we've sort of made systems that are very easy to use, but are also overly complex. Yeah. Yeah. Um. No, but it's f fascinating. So you think. Bitcoin is more vulnerable on the social layer than the technical layer. That's uh, uh, yeah, I that's, yeah, I think so because it's just easier, right? It's just easier to do social attacks, right? Like like the the thing that I'm talking about of like, you know, when a, I mean, I guess it blurs the line between a social attack and a technical attack. Like when a Ubuntu developer, um, you know, inserts a bug in GCC or whatever, right? That somebody might blackmail him to do that right like there are things like that uh that you can do um i i think that uh, like for to look at like 
consensus critical bugs and whatever you need a very keen eye right you need to understand the entire code base and whatever and they're, they're a much easier way to go about doing this and if somebody really wants to destroy bitcoin they're going to go the easy way first before yeah. yeah that's a good point so like finding a bug like the cve bug from september the inflation yeah. and yeah uh it was two parts what was it? inflation and ddos bug right mm -hmm. um how like how well do you need to know the code base to sort of even identify that like at that point? Cause wasn't it found by like, it was found by like a Bitcoin cash member, right? Or right, right, yeah. right, right. Um, I'm, <laughs> um, I don't, I don't, I haven't really looked into that bug that okay. much. Um, but I would say that you, it, it's a much higher bar than social attacks, right? Like yeah. you need to know computer science. You need to know, um, how attacks usually work and how, you know, uh, one might appear in a repository because, you know, the, you know, the Bitcoin repository is, is quite big and you have to go dig through it and, and, and see how everything's structured and everything. Right. So, yeah, you know. no, it's fascinating because a lot of the, when you're trying to explain this stuff to normies, a lot of the, uh, the first rebuttal is, oh, I could get hacked one day. Like what happened? Like the code just doesn't work. And, uh, it's like a hard question to answer. It's like, yeah, well, obviously it would suck if the code didn't work, but like, what are the chances of the code not working one day? Like, right. I, I think, well, I, I think it's, well, maybe this answer isn't very useful now, but I, I think one day what we'll need is some kind of, you know, formal verification of, uh, the mechanisms or, or, or something like that. Um, but you know, I, it's, it's, not reasonable to do it now. I don't think so. No, yeah. no, because too, too early in the game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's too early in the game. How early in the game are we? Do you think we're ten years in? What need, like how much more do we have to get done uh, to the point where this is close to ossification? <laughs> when are we going to ossify, Carl? Um, if ever, I. When's eighteen point oh coming out? That's another question. Or excuse right. me, eighteen point oh is testing right now. I want to yeah. say. 1.0 one's version one, one, one point. <laughs> one's version one com coming out yeah well that you'll have to ask you know vladimir about <laughs> um but i you know I, I i have no timeline for this kind of thing i i nor I, can you put one on it really could you mm, i really don't know i think we're we're super early in the game i think we've still got a lot to explore i think like cryptography has never been as sexy as it is today it's right? very sexy it's very sexy right now right um shout out to uh the schnorr patent uh officially being over with this week. <laughs> exactly exactly yeah exactly uh thank god who would have known um, that 10 years ago right the, the, there there's all sorts of cool things that we can explore and you know cryptography i think is is it's sort of relatively young and we have you know, we have all sorts of strange math, and and you know some of these math, it's like, it it, it you just have to it sort of just pops into people's heads, right? Like so, you know, we we definitely got a long way to go. So I I, I would say we're we're very very early. Um, yeah, that's long 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 timeline of things. So one uh, one step on the road on that long journey that we were talking about before the podcast is mm -hmm. uh, Russell Yanovsky's work to separate the. Uh, the wallet GUI from the node uh, oh, yeah. in Bitcoin Core. Oh, yeah. So can you explain sort of uh, yeah. what Russ is trying to do and, <laughs> and how it helps? Right. Um, so 
Hmm. Let's see. It, it, Russ's work is more to do with the maturation of the Bitcoin code base, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and and I, I was I was mostly talking about you know cryptography stuff, which is like doesn't have that much to do with you know the the, the code base structure. Um, and I, you know I, I think it's one of the most important you know PRs series of PRs and work out there um, because it Bitcoin basically as of now is a is 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 a is a blob of things that are very much intertwined and entangled with each other as a code base right mm -hmm. and we want to be able to make it more modular right and so what what russ did was he he set up this directory called interfaces and um Russ, if I'm ex explaining this poorly, please forgive me. Um, but he made Russ is a is a longtime listener to this podcast, so he's definitely going to hear it. Oh gosh, I'm kidding. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Um, uh, he um, he he basically defined these interfaces for the wallet and the GUI to talk to. That isn't sort of the the, the main code itself. Right, and I think that's that's ex extremely important in that you know uh, one of, one of his largest PRs is called multi-process Bitcoin, as in we can spin up a Bitcoin node, and then spin up a wallet process, and then spin up a QT process, and kill them, and 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 do whatever, do the the thing that Unix was designed to do, right? You know, do one thing and do it well, and 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 do that with a Bitcoin node, and I think that is extremely compelling and also it's 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 compelling to me in also the sense of uh the governance of the code base as in you know perhaps the the gui um can be governed in a different way from you know the wallet can be different governed in a different way from you know the core node software they certainly have different levels of you know severity in terms of you know security and whatever uh and and also you know you, you can have people who focus on this module and don't have to worry about other modules interacting with the other ones yeah it seems yeah. to make perfect sense like separate and just let people innovate where they need because it's really holding back people from working on specific functions correct right exactly if you if you have well-defined interfaces and they're they're actually separated out then you can it's it's sort of um you know you can more or less plug and play is what yeah. i would say yeah, no, so shout out to, uh, to Russ Yunoski working on that. Another oh, chain yeah. code legend. Le yeah, legend. What's Absolute it like in legend. that chain code office? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, it's, it's a, I don't know. I, I you know, I, I walk in and I'm really intimidated by, like, you know, just, like, a group of legends who are in the room, right? <laughs> and, like, everybody, everybody's, like, really, really experienced in the Bitcoin Core code base. And I've sort of been doing build stuff and a little bit of Bitcoin Core work. But, like, you know, I, I you know, I... I try to ask them for help. I try to learn from them. I try to, you know, because because they're they're just way more experienced than I am. And and it's really interesting because you know you get to hear them talk about stuff, and you know you think to yourself, probably only you know a dozen or so people in the world, you know, has the context to be like spewing out like proper pronouns like they are, and <laughs> like oh, okay. Well, I'll listen and I'll try to learn, right? Yeah. And what's it like working with the nicest man in the world, John Newberry? 
Oh my gosh. It's, it's, it's such a pleasure. It is, it is actually, he, he's, I am so impressed by like the amount of things he can accomplish and like how hard he hustles, right? Cause like he also works on Bitcoin Optech, which I'm helping out with, but like I also see him, he'll just be like, oh yeah, uh, you know, just like do a one day review of like Russ, like Russ's PRs, and, like leave a bunch of notes and like, oh my gosh, I, th- this man, this man is crazy. A consumer <laughs> professional, a true gentleman. John. Yes. We're due some, for some old fashions and getting cosmic soon. Just note if you're listening. Um, I guess another topic, well, we're on chain code. Like, so this is like a, a very hot topic in Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies mm. in, in general is uh, developer incentives. And so oh, yeah. how important are like the chain codes, the block streams of the world to uh, allowing you to do what you do best? Ah, uh, uh, okay. Yeah, um, I mean... For... Obviously, you're biased. You work for chain code. But <laughs> as yeah, a... I, I think these 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 institutions are really important in the world that we are in now um mm-hmm. I, like especially like for me you know I'm, I'm not a u.s citizen i need like visa sponsorships like i have to like work for a company or something like that right um but i i can i can foresee i can foresee a world where you know people can crowdfund these things i think uh, one of the great things that, you know, Patreon is, of course, controversial, but I think one of the great things that Patreon has, has done is, like, it funds pe- people in sort of a peer-to-peer, peer, peer-to-peer way. One, one of the most incredible things that I found out about Patreon is there's this, you know, gamers like to spend their money on games, right? And, and perhaps this is very telling. There's an emulator for the Wii U, uh, I, I know. I'm sorry. Um, I, I I like to play Smash, and you know uh, the Wii U is who doesn't? Yeah, exactly. Right. Wii U, you know, Smash Four was, you know, I you know I, I I'm a scrub because I, I don't play Melee or Project M or whatever. Um, but get out. We actually don't like scrubs in the studio, so this interview's <laughs> over. Yeah, yeah. I. Um, anyways, there, there was this Wii U emulator called Cemu uh, C E M U, and on Patreon, I believe one time I checked, they were getting 20K a month to work on this Wii U emulator. And I was like, that's a full-time job and some, and a little more, you know? Like 20K a month is a lot. A lot. Right, exactly. Um, and I'm, I'm, very, I'm very encouraged by that. Um, and I think that, you know, uh, very soon people will make alternatives to that that perhaps can operate in the bitcoin world perhaps can operate in a world where the company is you know not liable for you know what, what whatever the, the the person does um you know you know what, what, yeah exactly what, what the what the creator is doing um and yeah so i i think that's going to be very interesting um, what we do see is that it is much more it's still centralized now because just nobody has built the tools, right? One of the interesting things was Hardcore Fund. Have you have you heard of Hardcore yeah. Fund? Oh, okay, so like Hardcore Fund is this um, this fund started by this interesting gentleman uh, in China, Kevin, 
uh, he actually runs like the Lightning Network like WeChat group <laughs> that mm -hmm. people are in. Uh, it's like a crazy number of people who are in it. Um, and he started this fund to 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 be able to give money to people who contribute to Bitcoin Core, which is very interesting. And 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 he did it. Uh, and I think like at like on the first day there were like three or four donors. So I was like, oh, okay, this is not going to take off. And then like within a week, there was about like 50 Bitcoins of donations. Holy shit. Yeah. I was like, this is that's a it. salary. Exactly. That's exactly. That's, that's a salary. That's like legitimately, um, something that you can live off of. And I, I think we've got, uh, uh, I think, I think, uh, Luke and Ben are, 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 are two, two of the, you, you got to apply for, for them to, to donate to you. Um, but like, you know, it's going to, it's going to be somewhat centralized until somebody builds the tools to do that. Right? Well, what do you think about projects like hmm. Zcash and Decred maybe that have like, uh, developer funds built in? Do you think that that's, I, I don't think it needs to be built in. Yeah, I, no, I agree. I don't, I, I, I think as as people who believe in digital currencies, uh, we can be very be 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 enticed by the concept of having things encoded in protocol and this utopia where technology is governs and whatever, right? Um, but that's not how it's going to happen, right? If you if you think of it as, you know, a product that you want people to adopt, then you got to do it in like the way that is most similar to the way they currently do it now. Uh, and then maybe slowly, slowly transition them into, into, you know, what you think is going to be the future. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's for, so I completely, I think, yeah. I mean, Bitcoin has proven up to this point, they don't need a developer fund, like in the protocol. Um, mm -hmm. It's amassed the smartest, some of the smartest minds in the world, and kept their attention for at least a lot of their attention for uh, a lot of years. Mm -hmm. And that's like once you have these, in my opinion, once you have these developer funds built into your protocol, mm -hmm. which then uh, dictates that you build in like sort of a, a social layer via governance to divvy up how yeah, that fund works. Yeah, like, yeah. You just there will always be ways to game the system. Exactly. Basically, right. Exactly. So. It'll, it'll always be exploited, no matter how hard you you market that it's not exploitable it, it is a, a system yeah that will be exploited by somebody yeah. and then you can sort of think of this as like the enforcement of the contract of people contributing to developers are off chain if it's just people to people right because like i make the calculations that i think this developer is what and what and i think their potential is what and i donate to them instead of like the system deciding it for you and it being you know quote unquote on chain yeah that's what chain code did with you they said carl's pretty fucking dope we want to come have him work on rust light or excuse me rust bitcoin uh let's have <laughs> yeah him in. yeah the the i gotta admit the imposter syndrome is is very real well <laughs> Uh, you're talking to somebody who has imposter syndrome every time they sit down to interview somebody. So it's uh, the feeling. It's I know what it's like. Uh, yeah. Oh boy. Um, yeah. That was fun. That was fun riffing on chain code. I guess let's jump into your panel talk over the weekend at MIT. Mm. I was in my boxers watching it. Uh, it was Sunday, <laughs> Good. It was Sunday morning or Saturday morning. I forget. Mm -hmm. um, it was you, Corey Fields. Who was the other gentleman? You, a British guy. 
He was a student at MIT, wasn't he? <sighs> yes, he was a student at MIT, and I think he works on Vertcoin. Vertcoin. Unfortunately, I forgot his name, but and yes. And moderator, what was her name? She was a... Uh, uh, Shane Goldberg, yes. Shane Goldberg. She was uh, works at Arwen with Ethan, I think. I think, Good. yeah. And so the topic of conversation was uh, responsible disclosures and how they differ between mm. sort of centralized systems and open source systems and sort of the intricacies uh, and uh, the nuance that come with disclosure uh, in distributed open source systems and free and open source software projects. So I guess let's just dive into um, what is a disclosure and then how does it differ from like a centralized company? The, the example that the moderator used was Airbnb and then mm. Bitcoin, I guess we can jump in. Yeah, that. yeah. I, well... Well, I want to say up front that like I'm not really involved with the security disclosure thing with Bitcoin Core and everything. I yeah. think you know I haven't gotten there. Excuse me. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we, it, you know, a, it disclosure is basically you know if if somebody finds a bug, they want to inform the developers somehow, and you know we we've seen it done in bad ways where you know maybe somebody just announces to the world i you know i found this bug right and perhaps yep. people lose <laughs> lose lose a lot of money or yeah, there was a big uh big kerfuffle breaking bitcoin a couple of years ago yeah I, I i yeah i remember that um and you know there the, the, there are also the way that you're supposed to do it which is you know inf inform the developer um and not tell anybody until the developer says it's fixed or you 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 sometimes would um, I think what Google Zero does, and Google Zero does a great job, I think a great service to the industry, um, as, as, as evil as you may think Google is, <laughs> um, is they find zero days and they um, disclose it to um, disclose it to the vendor and then give them, I think it, it's 90 days to either respond or, or fix it, right? Um, and that 90 days is, I think, very important in that sometimes vendors will just ignore these things and 90 days puts actually time on the clock for them to actually do it. And I think that there was a recent one that like they told Apple about and Apple just just did not respond, did not respond. Right. So they were like, OK, I'm, we're lifting the you know, we're, we're, we're going to tell everybody the details of this now. <laughs> Apple's and, had some pretty bad bugs recently. Yeah, I the one yeah. where you were able to like just space bar and get your password or. Yeah, yeah. That uh, to get to get it to log in as root. I think yes, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah. Not 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 super great. Um, but yeah, so so, you know, uh, and, and I think the, 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 the biggest kerfuffle that, that was uh, quite recent was, you know, um, the Intel SMP, SMT, like, uh, um, uh, Spectre meltdown, speculative mm -hmm. uh, execution bugs um, that was disclosed basically to big vendors and big operating systems, but smaller operating systems just like didn't get a notice until I think like a week before it was like released to the public. And obviously that just wasn't enough time to uh, fix all these things. Right. Um, and so I think security vulnerabilities are, 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 are it, like disclosure process has to be refined somehow. Yeah. Well, and then in Bitcoin in particular, it's, mm. it's an added layer because again, there's a ton of value in these systems. And so the argument you guys are making uh, on the panel was that, in Bitcoin and free and open source software in particular, the uh, 
sort of the person who's ringing the alarm and disclosing the bug should probably be anonymous mm. for many reasons, one of which being like, imagine if you disclose the bug mm-hmm. uh, and somebody exploited it between when you disclose oh, it, yeah. it was patched and yeah. people are going to point at you first. Like, hey, we know yeah. that you knew about this and it puts a lot of undue pressure. No, on for sure. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, especially when money's involved, it, it's actually quite like a thin ice that you have to uh, walk on. And I think we were also talking about I don't think we we came to a conclusion about this. Like, if we find something in Bitcoin Core, is it our responsibility to um, to to tell and identify and tell all of the coins that are you know code forks of Bitcoin Core to uh, to fix their stuff? And I I don't think we came to a conclusion on that. But you know, um, yeah, maybe there needs to be a chat like some some kind of way or tool or, or something by which you can post vulnerabilities and you as a software maintainer can you know have a filter on that and and and, and be notified of uh new developments in your dependencies or your code forks yeah no but it's crazy because it, it is mm. a a tricky problem especially like bitcoin core does not want to represent bitcoin like as a whole so like bitcoin right. being this amoebus unstructured sort of thing like, <laughs> yeah who yeah. do you tell like do we come tell Chenko? do we come tell right you make a pull request or there's, like there's, like what in your opinion like what like what would you do if you discovered a zero day or a bug and had to disclose it putting you on the spot oh dang <laughs> <laughs> um well would you, you spin up an anon would you go like make like a proton email account and start yeah i i think <laughs> yeah, I mean like I would I would, you know, I would go look at, you know, what are some of the developers who have worked on, you know, previous disclosures and and how how and and what their PGP keys are and, you know, anonymously write, you know, do a little write up and, you know, send it over to them and and see see how it is, you know. Um and I I I believe I believe I'm not completely sure that uh, on BitcoinCore.org there's there's disclosure process and stuff. You don't believe there is? Or there I, is? I, I I believe there is. Okay. Uh, there there's some notice about how to do it correctly. Yeah, yeah it's like there's so many there's so much goddamn surface to take in consideration with this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like everything. Yeah, it. yeah. I mean, like one of, one of the things. Um, that I was talking about on that um, on that panel was uh, how uh, Intel Management Engine has gotten into almost every computer, every server, everything. What does uh, this mean? So in, Intel Management Engine is like <laughs> it it lives um, basically on your motherboard, uh, and it basically can override the kernel. So like your your kernel might be like OpenBSD or, or you know one of those really secure kernels and it enforces security so and whatever. For all the freaks out there, completely technically incompetent, what is a kernel? Like so, uh, the okay. kernel is the uh, most an important. An operating system. Yeah. An operating system. Right. Exactly. So 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 for example, like Linux is a kernel, right? Um, Mac OS has a kernel called Darwin, right? Mm-hmm. So that's supposed to be like the core part of the operating system that you cannot live without, right? Um, and so that's usually what enforces, like, um, you know, oh, this process. You only have these privileges and can only read and talk to these files. And you know that process, you only you don't have even have network access and whatever, right? Um, so the the kernel is seen to be sort of um, 
uh, I think, well, people define these rings differently, but uh, I'll, I'll say ring zero, right? Ring zero is like, you know, the, the zeroth level, mm -hmm. right? Um, but um, Intel management engine is basically one below that, as in it doesn't care what the kernel thinks, it can do whatever it wants. Uh, and that's very dangerous, especially if you're in a server setting and basically you've just nullified all the security procedures, uh, you know, all the, all the security, the, the protection that you have from the kernel, um, which we've coded in, right? And we've also got this complex boot process through this new, you know, um, new mechanism. So the way that you boot your computer, right, is that you basically go into UEFI mode first and then you boot into the computer and UEFI is, a gigantic code base with like a like a mini kernel inside it with like a networking stack that you rarely update so mm -hmm. that's again another vulnerability um, and these are these are things that you know we don't really think about because if you think about them then everything's fucked everything exactly <laughs> everything's fucked if you think about them everything's fucked um, right is and, everything fucked Carl I believe so. Yes, I, uh, I, I completely agree that everything sucks. I mean, but but we, we see efforts to fix this, right? And it's very encouraging that you know this. I think a lot of people when they think about like computer security and whatever, they're just like, we, you know, let's just give up. Like, let's just what whatever, man. Um, but it's encouraging that there are companies who move forward with this. It's a, a computer manufacturer called um, Raptor Engineering. Mm -hmm. uh, they make computers. Uh, which are completely open source, like the entire, like all the firmware for all the chips and the and, and, and everything are open source. You can modify them, you can compile them. They have the tool chain to allow you to do all of this, right? So, so you, that is, I hope, where the future is going to be, uh, and that allows us to have actual sovereignty over our our hardware and be able to um, be able to control our future. Yeah. So is it more of a problem of motivation as uh, a problem of like a it's an economic problem? Yeah, it's an economic problem, right? Because people don't see it as 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 necessary. As a, yeah, exactly. People don't see it as necessary, and there hasn't been too much economic loss. So you know, we're not going to pay for the more expensive Raptor motherboard. We're just going to stick with the manufacturer we know, which is Intel, and then continue with that. Yeah, but it seems like if. So the solution sounds like just to open source the hardware, the firmware, and, and the software of your open operating yeah. system. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, and 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 you know, this is one of the encouraging things about you know mankind is that we are very good at making things cheaper and more efficient, right? And you know, as we were able to make things cheaper and more efficient, uh, you have small companies like Raptor Engineering building their own motherboard, right? Like if you know, a few decades ago, like you know, you had to be one of the biggest companies out there um, to be able to like design the components and make it all open source and whatever but you know because we have these infrastructure set up it's easier to be more free um, and I like that technology enables that in a way yeah 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 technology enables that uh, technology is getting cheaper and cheaper other things are not like education healthcare, and uh, and cars and stuff like that <laughs> but uh that's a oh big topic boy. that's a yeah we, we jump into economic shit a lot in this podcast mm. we've done that a lot lately I'm, I'm happy that we're having a technical episode today because we haven't we haven't jumped into like tech in a while here on tales from the crypt um <laughs> but uh i mean we obviously talk about bitcoin which is tech but like 
Oh yeah. This yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, conversation like this has not happened in a while on this podcast, so I'm happy mm. it's happening tonight. Great. Um, but yeah, no, it's interesting. Like, mm. like you said, it's an economics problem. So like Bitcoin. Again, going back to what we talked about earlier, like having so much value, maybe it shifts it, the equation a little. Right, bit. it shifts the That's, incentives. Yeah. It, like, it shifts the incentives and shifts the equation a little bit. Um, I think, like, you know, what, what might end up happening is that we will have um, better and better hardware wallets. I think hardware wallets right now are still not <laughs> extremely well designed, but um, you know, just jump into it. I mean, over the weekend, Ledger came at Trezor pretty hard. What uh, what's your beef with hardware wallets right now? Um, I don't have a particular beef with hardware wallets. I I, I think they're just not. Um, I, I, I know that some of them don't actually do what they're supposed to like the, the, I think the, the, they don't authenticate, um, basically, uh, procedure calls to their secure enclave. I can, I might be completely wrong, but I think uh, some of them don't actually do that. And so basically if you know how to open the device and know how to like talk to the chip, then like you basically can get it to sign anything that you want it to sign. Um, which, which you know, is is not hardware security, but of course it's better than keeping it on an online computer. You right. know, not 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 saying that that's not. Um, and also, I think one of the other things is that, um, and I think as programmers, we, we we tend to think too much about the technical stuff and not enough about the social and economic stuff. It's like my mom doesn't want to use a hardware wallet. No, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> like no. that's just too. I, like, because I, I thought about it, right? Like, I was okay. Okay, what would I do to have like a like an, an enough of a secure setup for my keys that I feel comfortable with, right? Okay, um, maybe I get secure, uh, secure like deposit security deposit boxes, and then I maybe like uh, Shamir secret share my like mnemonics uh, to these, um, you know, deposit boxes and then like get a few ledgers and then get them in there. Um, like nobody's doing that. I'm not doing that. Nobody's going to learn to do that. Um, and so uh, it's, it's great that we have multi-sig that's not broken. Um, <laughs> what do you mean by that? Was that a, well, I, Shot at Ethereum right there. Yeah, I think Parity had a broken multi-state contract. Yeah, it had multi- <laughs> multiple <laughs> or something. Yeah. Um, anyways, yeah, we 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 have multi-state that's not broken, and and you know we, that allows companies like you know um, when I was back at Blockstream, like Green Address had this cool thing where it, it was a multi-state with them, right? And I think Casa is doing a cool thing with multi-state with them, and like those kind of solutions make a lot of sense to me, right? Right. Um, being able to you know recover your keys, um, and also they don't have custodial access to, to to any of your funds. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, no, that's, that's the right. Yeah, it's the right way to do, go about doing it. I think it really is, and I think multi-sig in particular just needs to become more prevalent. Um, stick the thought of holding your shit on one key and custodying that yourself. So <laughs> it's yeah. overwhelming. It's overwhelming for some And people. And it's, it's about, it's, it's about the user experience. Um, I, I, after, 
uh, for the first few years of um, college, I, I was actually a uh, UI UX designer for, for the, like a, as a freelancer for companies, right? Um, and it's kind of weird how like, you know, that's so far removed from what Bitcoin <laughs> is. Um, but, you know, when, when, I, when I look at these things, you, you need people building good user experiences. And I think like that's what Casa is doing. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty cool. No, I would agree. And slowly but surely it's happening. People are like, oh, Bitcoin's failed. Bitcoin's died so many times, but it's succeeding through death, uh, I would argue. And do you think like looking back and when you first got into Bitcoin to where it is now, like are you surprised at how far it's come or disappointed how, uh, how not far it has gone up to this point? Or is it sort of right in line with your expectations? Do you not have expectations? I are you just along for the ride? I think it's quite surprising how far it's gone mm -hmm. i think it's quite surprising how far it's gone i i i i, I you know i was expe expecting it to just be like oh I'll just mine some stuff you know get some money build myself a few new more servers and be happy you know um but it's it's gotten it's it's gotten a lot of traction it's gotten a lot of it's got a com developer community it's got you know people who really care about it and um and and want to try to understand it uh right um i think one one of the most impressive presentations um, at mit was um uh what was her name crypto mom bitcoin mom hester pierce the, hester the, pierce yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. and 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 it, it seemed like her stance was basically um, that like, you know, as a, as a regulator, she wants to make sure that she's not imposing rules because rules will, you know, get passed down, right? That limits innovation, right? So she wants people to tell her, you know, what they're working on and, and what's going on. And, 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 and I think that like, I think years ago, I, I would never thought that that would be possible, that they would even be aware of this you know, weird internet, magic internet money thing. Yeah. <laughs> Let alone yeah. not shutting it down. No, no, yeah, exa yeah, exactly. Let alone um, not shutting it down. Well, not that they could shut it down, not trying to shut it down, but instead trying to be as laissez-faire as possible, which is right. Which is hard to find in America these days. It's, I'm excited to see that, uh, that they're taking a tempered stance on Bitcoin up to this point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's fascinating. What what else did you like at the MIT thing over the weekend? Uh, wallets got hacked. Oh, um, oh boy, there was this one talk by a Gotenna guy. Oh, Richard Myers. Yeah, I think so. And 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 he was talking about how you can use um, Lightning Network payments to incentivize people to run their own Gotennas. Mm -hmm. And like this is one of those things where like uh, it, it again it hones in, hones in on the point that like as technology progresses things get cheaper to make like you can be your own based like very low bandwidth albeit like very low bandwidth isp with with this kind of stuff right, right. and we can be more decentralized and 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 have access to it that the isp can't shut down yeah, so what's the uh, the gist of it is if you have a Gotenna that is with TX10 downloaded on it, you are going to get lightning fees in the form of lightning network transactions for routing payments via TX10 or? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I'm not entirely sure, but I, I think like the, the whole point was just that you can incentivize people to run these relay stations for Gotennas. Mm -hmm. um, 
through Lightning, right? It doesn't really need to have anything to do with Bitcoin. It's just using Lightning as a payment way to get people to run these things, right? Right, uh, and 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 that's that's very important that people can form a, you know a mesh network of themselves because you know God knows ISP like what ISPs are doing with our data. Right? Yeah. So let's get cosmic here. Do you ever envision a future where like? ISPs aren't the main routers of Bitcoin transactions. Maybe it's via radio waves or mesh networks or satellite. <laughs> um, eventually that will happen. Eventually I'm sure that that will happen, mm-hmm. but the technology isn't there now. No, and it's definitely we need not there to, now. we need to, you know, we, we need to fund technological progress. Right? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. No, that's one thing I'm like, so I write about that. Marty's been a lot is, is alternative, transaction relay networks like the mesh network the satellite that shit that's what fascinates me the most just thinking that you can via radio waves send a transaction in space and have it received by somebody with a satellite looking for it just blows my mind and and that's the other thing like it helps open people up to the possibilities uh that this technology enables like everybody's so sort of siloed and this way of thinking of how the internet works and how it should work and how right. it has to work and mm-hmm. Bitcoin, not alone, but Bitcoin definitely is helping people sort of see, hey, maybe we don't have to do things this way. Like yep. Maybe we can use ham radios to send messages and stuff like that. <laughs> maybe we don't need to rely on like Comcast or other internet service providers, um, which is fascinating to me. Yeah, I think at one point I was looking, and I don't, I don't know, remember fully. I was looking into if I can like buy like an FM radio band such that I can like broadcast blocks, <laughs> and it was like really expensive. I was like, okay, never mind, <laughs> never mind. Um, but yeah, it's 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 crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, we're gonna. Do you think Bitcoin will ever go to space? Do you think we'll have inter interplan- interplanetary nodes at some point? Oh boy! I mean, we're going to, have to increase the uh, the block time, right? Yeah, I, I I would I would think so, and I I think um, Peter Todd gave a great talk about that, yes. wasn't it? At, at one of the one of the breaking bitcoins. I think yeah, I think he wants to start mining asteroids and putting like yeah. nodes in space yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, t- I don't think proof of work is. Well, I mean, there's no better alternative, but like the, 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 the current way that Bitcoin is structured is good at dealing with that. <laughs> and I think we'll solve that problem when we come to it. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to we're going to get Dyson spheres. We're going to go find a right. star. Right. Exactly. Dyson, yeah. I yeah. That's one of my like biggest hopes is that we can become like a like a like a type two civilization. Or What's that mean? Like that. So I, 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 I might be wrong, but I think type one civilization is a civilization that can capture and, and utilize the, uh, all, all the energy that the planet can, can, can provide, right? Type two is of the solar system and type three is of the galaxy and then so on and so on. Um, so I, I would hope that someday we can actually build that Dyson sphere and capture it. Cause that's just, that's, that's free real estate. <laughs> It'd be crazy too. Yeah, it's free energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we do. All right, let's keep getting cosmic. Like, it's <laughs> weird. We do have this opportunity. Like, go to space and explore it and fucking. Yeah, be. I I remember um, reading when I was in high school 
this um well i i didn't read the paper but you know i i watched i think it was like a vsauce or something else where like these russian scientists like did a conservative estimation of what like how human society will progress and they they came to the conclusion that we will never leave our solar system and that made me really depressed for like a week. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's so sad. I mean, like, it's mankind. I, I, I would hope that our future involves, you know, traveling around in space and all that. Everything's uh, really far away, though. We just yeah, yeah, it's really far away. Yeah, yeah. How yeah. to get there. Um, mm. oh, where's I going to go? I had something to bring up. I had something to bring up. This always happens. Got too cosmic. We got too cosmic. Um. You're talking about Bitcoin in space. Mm-hmm. Ah, I completely forgot what I was going to say. No, don't worry about Let's, it. Um, I was going to bring it back to something. What were we talking about right before that? Mm, we can talk about Russ Bitcoin for a while. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's talk about Russ Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. So Russ Bitcoin is sort of alien to me. I know that Matt works on it. Matt's so right. whenever I see Matt, he's like, yeah, working on Russ Bitcoin. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. What the hell is Russ? It's just a different implementation, a different language. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, well... It's not a full node implementation, okay. right? Um, it's just an implementation of like, um, like some of the. It, it's it's a it's a library, which means just like a collection of tools that you can do. For example, you can like um, derive keys from you know uh, mnemonics and 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 all of those like little tool things, right? Um, and I think the, the, the thought behind it is that, uh, at least my thought behind it, is that you know we, we've written software in um, sort of not memory safe languages like C and C++. And, mm -hmm. um, and, and the, the reason why we want to do that is because you, know, you have a finer grain control over how the program executes. You're basically, like you're, you're speaking to the machine in a way such that there's not many layers of translation in there, mm -hmm. right? Um, um, and but what Rust says is we can almost we can do this. We can be a what we call a systems language. We can be a systems language and be memory safe at the same time, right? Which is very compelling because most bugs. Uh, most security vulnerabilities are memory bugs. Okay. Uh, 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 you know, um, buffer overflows and uh, and double freeze. All of those are memory bugs, right? And and and, Ru and Rust says the way that our language is constructed means that you you literally cannot have those errors, right? Mm -hmm. And so I. I, 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 and, and you, you, you see a big movement in the software developer industry, I think, um, towards people, um, and, and maybe this is for the better or worse, but people rewriting programs in Rust because now you have this thing where you don't give up your performance, you don't give up your granularity, but you get memory safety, right? You don't have to worry about that anymore. The compiler will yell at you if you're doing something memory unsafe. And so I think, you know, being able to interact with Bitcoin in a language like that is um, is quite important. It seems uh, like a pretty good level up if you're able to have that. Yes. Trade -off. Yes. Right. right. And and I you know I I don't I don't you know I'm I'm in 
no illusion that we're going to have Bitcoin core and rust in like a year. Like that, that's not, that's not going to happen. Right. But, um, I think it's good. It's a good thing to build in parallel. Uh, I think, you know, um, one of the great things about, you know, what, you know, Russ is doing and, and what I hope to do is that, you know, if we can get Bitcoin to be more um, modular, then perhaps you can, you can write the QT module in Rust. You can mm -hmm. write the, you know, you can, you can, you can write certain parts of it and, and basically make it plug and play. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and perhaps, you know, you, oh, you want to try out, uh, this different, like, you know, n you know, like a neutrino plus or whatever, right? Like you've got this new thing, right? Oh, okay. Like, like just use it as a module, use it as a plugin, like whatever. Right. Um, and so, uh, I, I think, I think, yeah, I think that's, that's why it's important. And, and we see things in the Rust Bitcoin project that I think is very encouraging. Um, one of our, one of the developers, Tomas, Tomas Blummer, uh, mm -hmm. I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name. Um, he's been working on a almost full. I think it. I think it actually works as a full node um, that also supports uh, neutrino. Uh, and Ooh. he's 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 finished that. And I I need to do a few more code review. I'm sorry, Tomas. Um, and, um, and, and, and that's super exciting because you know, that, 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 that's something that we can run and I hope, hopefully we can test against Bitcoin core and see how it works. Um, and also, you know, Matt's rust, rust lightning is extremely important. I know, I know that Matt's very focused on better hash at the moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, no. And, and, and that's, that's the fantastic work. Right. But he's also, you know, he, he's, he's, he's a, he's a, uh, I don't want to speak for him, but I think he's a Linux and systems geek like I am. Um, and like he, he leaves a server on running what we call a fuzzer and a fuzzer will basically like give your program inputs until it sees that it fails. Right. And it will identify where it failed. So all the time he's running that and he's actually finding problems with his implementation and sometimes with the spec and sometimes with other implementations through running this fuzzer. Um, and yeah, he, good guy. <laughs> yeah, Matt's, uh, Matt's, Matt's uh, on the scoreboard as uh, most appearances on Tales from the Crypt. Love oh, wow. him again. Dang. But he's like the one who like, first person who started talking about like Russ Bitcoin and stuff to me and still mm. to this day I've always seen like Russ like Russ is like so foreign to me like to me it's like you have to be sort of a badass developer to work with Russ is this true or is no, it just no. like <laughs> <laughs> well I uh, to, to me actually like I and and this is this is somewhat shameful. I know more Rust than I know C plus oh. plus. Uh, and get and out! I get know, out! I know! I know! I'm I'm terrible. Um, but it's it's one of the it's one of those languages that because it's more modern, it's easier to work with. It doesn't have sort of the the baggage of C plus plus, and C plus plus sometimes has the baggage of C and all of that, and maintaining compatibility and whatever. Um, it's able to envision its own world, right? And learn from the languages that have come since. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say like for beginners, Rust is maybe easier to start off with yeah. uh, than C++ because of some of the conventions and like C++ has like implicit conversions that like nobody really, really understands every single corner case of. 
But yeah. Yeah. No. No, it's uh, it's fast. As, and as a tech illiterate, uh, it's uh, always fascinating <laughs> oh, no. to hear hear the stuff explained from uh, from the mouth of somebody who knows exactly what or knows what they're talking about. Has been through somewhat the trenches. Somewhat. Um, but you mentioned Neutrino. Let's go back to Neutrino. So BTCD, they implemented mm. a full node with Neutrino, correct? That's right. That's right. Um, a lot of contention around Neutrino in particular. A lot of people don't right. like it. Right. Um, why? If, could you get the freaks out there sort of a 30-second a uh. reason why people wouldn't like it or what it does and then why some people don't like it and why some people do? Um, well, I... Have I haven't I haven't been exploring it that much, but I you know it, it's it's just a better way to serve light clients, right? Yes. Uh, uh, and 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 I think it's it's much better than the SPV model that we have right now. Um, so to be honest, I don't know that much about it. I think the point that I want to make is that um, the again like modularity is important for governance reasons. It's not just because like you know we. we we're, we're, we're really anal developers and we like our things clean, right? Like modularity is, 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 is great for that because you can have, you can swap things out with one another, right? You can test different things, right? Mm -hmm. Without having to be like, oh, like there's like contention on this pull request or, or whatever, right? Um, and, and it enables more freedom basically, right? Because you can choose what modules you want to run. You can choose what plugins you want to run. Um, and so that's why I think it's important. And and I, I, BTCD obviously has had Neutrino for a while because you know it's 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 Lalu's little baby, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and 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 that's great. And I, I I like seeing that you know implementations are um, competing. Um, uh, and I think one of the things that we need to be very aware of is that um, uh, these node implementations. Um, need to remain, which is why I haven't really thought about like doing a, a full node myself, at least, you know, uh, with, 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 within these few years is that f full node implementations need to be consensus compatible with each other. Right. Right. And the easiest way to be consensus, absolutely consensus compatible is to have the exact same code base. Right. right? Um, so the um the these implementations need to be 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 wary of that um as in you don't want to cause a network split um between one implementation and and, and another one right isn't this something that satoshi warned about or how um yeah I'm, i mean it's, I'm, a, it's, I'm the, it's the ongoing they've said many things yeah. <laughs> yeah it's the ongoing debate though it's like should yeah. we have multiple implementation implementations yeah. like is bitcoin core centralizing uh, is it running yeah. everything and yeah um, yeah 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 i well, here, here's here's what I'd say, right? Um, I think that, um, and this is this is somewhat speculation. I think that what will happen um, is that we will be able to split Bitcoin Core in a way such that we have a we have. A sort of modular thing that just has um, the consensus rules and maybe a network implementation that everybody can agree on, right? Mm -hmm. So the the network protocol that um, is sort of standard right now. Um, and so when we when we can have that, uh, then 
other implementations like uh, BTCD, which is written in Go, or something that we write for Rust Bitcoin, uh, we can do what's called a uh, FFI, foreign function interface. So that means like the interact interacting between different languages, mm -hmm. between our thing and that, right? And so now for the consensus critical and the network split critical part, we're all running the same code, but, excuse me, for everything else, um, it's completely, you know, it's, it's completely up to you how you want to implement it and, and what you're comfortable working with. Exactly. So I, I think that is the, the direction that we will go with, but you know, somebody, somebody has to do the work and it's, it's, no, oh, it's, it's a lot of work. I, I know there's, there's this project started a long time ago called, uh, lib consensus, mm -hmm. lib consensus. Um, was trying to extract out the core parts of Bitcoin consensus into a, a library. Oh man, that has that has burned a lot of people out. Like, really, pe many have tackled it, but many have like you know come out fallen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, I mean, like it's 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 sort of like you know we, we'll we'll pass it on generation to generation, and and one day somebody will be like, hurrah, we got this working, and, and yeah, we'll have yeah. more diversity then. As somebody who's been working on Bitcoin for a while now, like, what are your thoughts on the attention to the code base in particular? You're finding more people becoming uh, involved with Bitcoin Core. Oh, yeah. um, do you, are you finding like smarter minds being attracted to it? Like, as a developer, what are you seeing in the comments and the in the pull requests and stuff like that? Are you seeing new faces, new Pe new yeah. anons, or yes, yes? I mean, of course, you're you're going to have you know the the the, the few developers who are like always on it on the, all the time. Like you know, Glad a lot of my yeah, exactly. A lot of my colleagues are that way, right? Um, but I I've I've you know I've I've code reviewed things from people who've never contributed before and they're, they're insightful ones, right? Um, and there are ones from people who perhaps don't really know Bitcoin itself, but know maybe C++ very well, you know, um, people who know how to structure code very well. There, there, there's all kinds of different contributors to Bitcoin Core, and it's, it's very exciting um, to see that that is the case. It, it also happens uh, in Rust Bitcoin uh, as well. And, and one of the interesting things about Rust is that it attracts, like, this is so nerdy to say, <laughs> but okay, as as, peop, as programmers, I think a large section of programmers really love when a language is sexy, and Rust is one of those languages that's really sexy. Mm -hmm. And so you'll have people who like. I think that there's like this one like one guy who's just like he really loves Rust and like just stumbled across his library and just like wanted to contribute, right? Like. I when I first started out with Rust Bitcoin, um, I was like trying to write these, uh, like a bunch of things in Rust and it wasn't working. And I was like, oh okay, I know Polster's working on this. Let me learn Rust through and 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 you know I didn't tell him at the time that it was like my first Rust thing, <laughs> but you know you know I learned through all of his comments about how horrible it was. And then you know <laughs> and and that that was that was the tweet that I made, which is like you know through like seven months of grinding we got. You know, like partially signed Bitcoin transactions into Rust Bitcoin. That was through a lot of refinement and also a lot of looking at, you know, uh, what were the what were problems in the code base that we needed to solve before um, this got merged in. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's. Thank you for doing what you're doing. I can't like. 
because it's it fascinates me. Somebody, yeah. I yeah. mean, obviously you're you're getting paid for your work, but mm. um, just looking at a project, a mission driven project like Bitcoin that is, yeah, and I I can't yeah. hire anybody. It just <laughs> has to attract yeah talent. I, I, I think it, it kind of comes back to um, my love of and and maybe. I've 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 heard about a few things that do do what Patreon is doing in the Bitcoin like Tippin, Tippin, Tippin.me is one of those Tally Tally.coin, right? Tally.coin and uh, and 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 all those things. And, you and can I, white label all that stuff for finding too, which is uh, sorry. You can, I think uh, a little hint here for the freaks out. You can white label that. It might be white labeled for like personal sites in the future. Right. 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 Well. Yeah. Because hmm. all you need is BTC Pay server. That's really all you need. Right, right. But I'm I'm thinking even, um, well, maybe maybe this is impossible. It is is if there is a way because people don't want to as 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 much as we would like to think so. People don't want to run their own servers. People don't want to maintain their own servers. You, you're never going to have the the expertise of somebody like on like Amazon or Google managing your servers by yourself right so if if there is a way to be able to um, to be able to run software like that in a way that is somewhat decentralized and can't be shut down and and, and you don't have the liability if somebody is um, is, is is doing something on there that people would disagree with um, that would be fantastic. Maybe you know a model to look at is 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 perhaps you know what Macedon is doing with 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 the, the federated stuff, but yeah. I haven't looked too much into that. Macedon is yeah, it's uh, it's um, it's an animal. I mean, Macedon yep. <laughs> is legitimately an animal, like in the app that they built as an. Yeah, animal. I heard so it was it's... really popular in Japan or something. Yeah, I, I mean, know. it was really popular on Bitcoin Twitter like six months ago when they got mad at Twitter, and oh wow, we all ported over to Macedon yes, for like yes. two days and then came back. <laughs> We're like, ah, oh, it's too too crazy over there. There's not enough people. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. So, so you know, these UX problems will will solve themselves over time. But you know, I think you know we still need people working on that. Yeah. Well, we're almost an hour and a half in. I guess we should end it like the next 10, oh, wow. tw 20 minutes. And, <laughs> cool. Um, what are you most excited for moving forward? Obviously, you're working on Rust Bitcoin and mm. um, uh, with the geek stuff as well. But yeah. just like beyond what you're working on, like what, like how are you feeling right now? Like depths of the bear market. Where <laughs> where are your vibes? Where do you think we're going? What, do you, what excites you? What worries you as we move forward? Uh, I think... I'm pretty chill about like the bear market and whatever. I seem like, pretty chill. Yeah, like my my dad always freaks out. You know, like you get text messages like, "Oh, Bitcoin went up" or "Bitcoin went down," and I was like, I, "It's like this is not very interesting to me." Because <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I I think we've been we've been trained to think too short term. Right, you know, high time um, preference, high time preference. Right, uh, that's that. That's what that is. Uh, and and I think we need to think long term. And 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 my thinking has always been like you know like whatever t to infinity or you know in in a few decades or in a few centuries. Like what what kind of society will we live in? And and what, what is it going to be driven by? Right. And I think it's going to be driven by something like Bitcoin. 
and yeah. that you know that that's that's why I want to work on something like this. No, I concur. That's why we have the podcast. That's why I brought you on. Um, thank you. Thank you for coming on, man. I think again, like I said, we haven't gotten very technical on this podcast in a while, and I learned a lot today. I learned that Russ is a new language. I thought it was like some old language that nobody wanted to touch. Uh, oh no, it's uh, well, it's like it sounds old. Rust, Rust just right, makes it sound right, old. right, 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 right. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's 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 pretty new and it's pretty cool. I, I'd recommend people who are more technically inclined to check it out and learn it. Yeah, and then also check out your PR for uh, the geeks. Containers oh yes, I, as well. actually, I, if if people know about build systems and GCC and uh, LibTool and all of that. Please come help me. Uh, just search uh, G-U-I-X in the Bitcoin repo pull requests. Yeah. And uh, chain code. They got a residency coming up. If you are. Oh, I'm so excited about that. That's. We'll talk about it a little bit. That's one of the most. So we, we, we got we got so many applicants like our. our well, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to reveal how, exactly how many. But like we've got a, like we, we, we've had to, you know let a lot of people just tell a lot of people that they can't come but the 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 group of people that will be in the office for the summer i am so excited about they know exactly what they're doing they are excited to work on bitcoin stuff they will they they will be i think a big part of bitcoin development of tomorrow and in years to come yeah 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 yeah, I can't wait till they're in town all summer so I can just poach most of them for uh for interviews. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'll be I'll be this is one 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 person. You're gonna say I'm gonna come into the yeah. chain code office and grab one a week and just be like, All right, what the hell are you working on right now? Exactly. Carl. Yeah. It's been a pleasure, man. It's been a pleasure. Thanks yeah. for coming around. Thanks for coming through, excuse me. Um <laughs> thank you for all you do on Bitcoin Core and thanks for educating us tonight about many things. Thank um, you. Yeah. That's cool. all I got for tonight. This is my second podcast. I'm a little burnt out right now. Oh, yeah. I enjoyed, uh, enjoyed drinking beers with you. Peace. Go get some rest. Yeah. <laughs> Peace and love, freaks. <laughs>